Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Good morning again to everyone. Can we just honor the band one more time? Oh my goodness. Mark, you were crushing it in there, man. Way to go. I, uh, it's not easy what they do up here. I've, I've led worship before. It can be so nerve-wracking, but it can be so rewarding to lead God's people in worship. Thank you guys so, so, so much. Well, again, hello, my name is Jose. For those of you that maybe stepped in a little bit after the service started, my name is Jose. I'm the campus pastor here at Community of Hope West Palm, and I'm just delighted that you've joined us today for worship. Before we begin, I'd love to share just some new initiatives that we're doing with our student ministry here at Community of Hope at our campus at West Palm. And so, um, as you know, we've had to put a halt on our weekly meetings, but we're meeting once a month through the end of the year. And our meeting this month is not this one, not next Wednesday, but the following. So two Wednesdays from now, November 17th, November 17th at 6.30 p.m. We're, we're calling it our COH Students Hangout. It's going to be an, a night of games, activities. We're going to have a devotional. Really, we just want the youth of our church to connect, to get together, and to get to know each other, and to get to know the Lord. And so if you would, number one, just be in prayer for that, for us to have a good and safe, and the Lord would speak to us that evening and revive our youth ministry here at our campus. We'd totally appreciate that. If you want to help in any way, please come see me after service. I'd love to show you perhaps where you could help us on that evening. Well, I know we came today to hear from a loving God who cares deeply and is intimately invested in the details of our lives. And so today we're continuing our series titled Deep Peace. Deep peace, and we've titled it that because deep peace is the only peace that Jesus gives when we place our faith in him, our faith and our trust in him. It's interesting that when you read the Bible, the Bible never promises that we will not go through tribulation. The Bible never promises that we will not go through any sort of loss or pain, and people with a false notion of who God is, when those things come around, it shatters their faith. But God never promises that. He actually tells us to anticipate it. What he does promise us is peace. What he does promise us is peace. And so the the, the verse that that we're using as the theme verse for this series that holds this truth is Isaiah 26, verse 3. It's on the screen. And the prophet Isaiah writes here, speaking of Yahweh, the Lord, our God. He says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. They trust in the Lord. And so last week we unearthed the first culprit that robs our peace and that was fear. And we saw that fear wasn't necessarily the problem Fear is a a natural intuition that God has given us in moments of of fear and moments or dangerous moments, unexpected moments where we have to save our lives, but sometimes it consumes us and it controls us. And we saw that really the absence of faith was the real 
problem. And so keeping our eyes on Jesus was the key to, to moving forward. So today in week two, we're going to move over to the second culprit that robs our peace, and that is worry. Worry, and I, I saw some grins in the, in the crowd and in the congregation today. And if I'm honest, I'm both excited and worried to preach on this topic all at the same time. And I'll tell you why. Because if I'm honest, this is my biggest peace-robbing culprit. If I'm honest with you this morning, worry is out of all the things that we're going to talk about in this series is probably what consumes me the most. My tendency is to worry about the future. To worry about the future. My mind sort of, all the different scenarios, right? All the different things that could happen if I make this decision, if I make that decision, if this doesn't happen, you know? Um, and it sort of, it can consume your life and it could inhibit your faith in trusting the Lord for your future. And I think one of the hard things about worry is that it is just so easy to do. Can we just admit that? It is so easy to worry. My grandmother was actually, I think, an expert at this. I called her Mima. She was my typical Hispanic grandmother. She would say, you know, it'd be the, the dead of summer. She'd say, Mijo, ponte un suéter. Son, put your sweater on. You're going to get sick. I'm worried you're going to get sick when you go outside and play. I say, Grandma, it's like 100 degrees outside. She says, it doesn't matter. There's dew on the floor. You're like, what? <laughs> but, you know, every good grandma worries just a little bit about their grandkids, don't they? You know, uh, Giselle and I have also been experiencing the pains of worry because we're, we're in that try not to worry if you don't feel the kicks all the time sort of phase. If you understand, if you guys don't know, my wife, Giselle, she's pregnant. We're expecting our first son in January. We're so excited. Thank you, actually, all for... Any gifts and things that you guys have given us, any encouragement, so, so, so grateful. But there's been moments where, I mean, he's, I think he's going to be the next Lionel Messi, let me tell you, because man, can he kick. But that makes it harder because he's such a kicker. When he's not kicking, it's like, oh, where is he? And so it's like three in the morning, right? And she'll wake me up and she'll say, I don't feel him kicking. I'm like... Like half asleep, my salvation doesn't even come back to me until about six. And <laughs> I'll let that one settle. And now, whatever, he's probably sleeping. You've been, you know, laying down for probably about five hours now, whatever. He's probably sleeping, unlike me. <laughs> you know, it is so easy to worry, and that's what makes it so hard. Worry itself is such an interesting concept. It actually comes from the German word to strangle. If you didn't know that, to strangle. And so when we worry, what we're actually doing is we're allowing the thoughts of these future potential happenings to strangle our lives in the present, to hold us captive. It's a vision of the future without any hope. And that's what's dangerous about worry. That's what's dangerous about worry. And I think the real question for all of us worriers in the room, is it, is it a sin to be nervous or worried about the future? Is it, is it a sin, we would ask? Our very own Dr. Victor Copan, who's a, he's both a professor at PBA and he's a partner of our church. He was actually one of the panelists two weeks ago, if you saw that. He wrote this. He says, sin is 
everything that damages the shalom, and shalom is like the Hebrew word for peace. Sin is everything that damages the peace God intended for all human relationships, whether with God, with others, or with the world. So if worry is damaging the peace that God is intending you to have, there might be some really difficult situations you're going through. And I want you to hear me correctly. I'm not here to guilt anybody today about their worry. I'm actually here to walk alongside of you because this is something that I struggle with. This is something that I struggle with. And if worry is consuming your life this morning and it's robbing the peace, that God doesn't, it doesn't ignore the situation, just like we talked about fear, it doesn't ignore the situations around, but if, if you can't live in the peace that God intends for you to have in faith through Christ and there's something wrong, there is something wrong. But as with fear, worry is not a new topic under the sun. People have been struggling with worry since the beginning of time. And Jesus has a few thoughts, actually more than a few thoughts, about the topic of worry. So if you'd go with me to Luke 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 22, we're going to read 22 through 34. We're going to read Luke 12, 22 to 34. It'll be on the Bible app. It'll be, you can open your Bible to it. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, we've got it on the screen as well. I hear some pages ruffling. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. Here's the key verse, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, just in honesty, bringing forward the things that worry us today. And you're calling us to place our hope and our faith in you. Lord, would you just speak peace into our lives? As your servant Samuel said, Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Your servant's are listening for your voice this morning. We ask you in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the text that we just read. So at this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' following is no longer just 12 disciples. It's like a th- it's thousands of people. It's many people. It's not specified, but he's got a big crowd around him right now, okay? And maybe the real miracle in this story is that he was speaking to thousands of people without a microphone. That might be the miracle here. But he's really concerned about teaching his disciples a new way of life. He's concerned about them considering to take into consideration their own lives, their values, their words, and even their possessions. He wants them to consider these things. But interestingly enough, although the first word says, he says, do not worry. He doesn't stop there. It's not do not worry, end of sermon, right? Have you ever had somebody tell you when in a very difficult circumstance, hey, just, just stop worrying about it. Don't worry about it. How helpful has that been? It's not helpful. But that's not what Jesus does. He invites us into a conversation. He speaks to us. He speaks into our situation. He invites us to consider why we should not worry, which leads us to our first point. First, Jesus invites us to consider that, number one, worry just does not work. So Jesus essentially, in this passage, he tells them that worry won't do anything for you. And I'd love to just reiterate it one more time in Luke 12, 25 through 26. It's right there on the screen very quickly. It says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest, he says. So he points out how just, number one, how futile it is to worry. It doesn't accomplish what you think it will accomplish for you. Now remember, he's telling this crowd to not be overcome by worry. And he's talking about their needs. And in the context of this situation, think of this. In the ancient world around that time in the first century, some scholars think that probably about 80% of the rural poor composed that population. And basically people who did not know what they were going to eat or wear maybe that very next day. And so with no Publix or Walmart to go to, right? There wasn't any of that in the first century. Some of these people, I mean, it would be easy to get, I'd be consumed with worry. What am I going to eat the next day? What am I going to wear? Today, worry still exists perhaps in some different ways, manifesting, it, manifesting itself in, in different ways, depending sometimes in the age groups. And I'm going to paint with a broad brush here, okay? I'm going to paint with a broad brush some of these worries that I'm about to say they, they interlap between all generations, of course. But generally speaking, younger people tend to worry a lot about future choices, right? Future choices, figuring out who they want to be, what college they're going to go to, whether they're going to get in debt or they're going to go to community college, what they're going to study, who they're going to marry, if they're going to get married, how many kids they want to have. I mean, it just people, young people tend to worry a lot about these things. Interestingly enough, research shows that actually young people worried and were more anxious during the pandemic, believe it or, or not. And if and as you sort of if you look that up and you read it, it's it's so it's so horrific 
some, just what the isolation did to some of these young minds and how the worry overtook some of these young people. Young people are also a little bit more concerned with climate change and this earth. Older generations worry a little bit more about money, retirement, social security, job security. Are you going to have enough money to retire? Or are you going to have to try to find some second job? You know, where are you going to be able to live? Are your family members going to live closer to you so they can help you? I mean, these are all real things. Your health. See, somewhere along the way, many of us learned to worry and fret about the future because we thought that it would work to accomplish what we thought it would to control the outcome of the future. We thought that by worrying, we could actually control the outcome of our future. But interestingly enough, there was a study done that showed among this group of people that 95% of what they were worrying about never came to pass in their futures. Interestingly enough, it's a huge waste of mental and emotional energy. Corey ten Boom, a Dutch Christian writer who lived during World War II, helping Jews escape from the horrors of Nazi Germany, she had a lot to worry about. I'll tell you that. She wrote this, and I think it's, it's stuck throughout the generations just because of how powerful it is. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry is debilitating. It doesn't let you have the faith to confront tomorrow. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you may be asking, so, Jose, I shouldn't plan for anything in the future, <laughs> right? I should just not plan for anything, turn up the volume on Bob Marley and just live a, a carefree life. And if you don't know Bob Marley, he wrote the song, Don't Worry About a Thing, because every little thing's going to be all right. I debated about singing that in a Jamaican accent, but I decided not to. Decided not to do that. I mean, what about hurricane shutters? Seriously, what about hurricane shutters? What about an emergency fund for things that happen? Life happens. We need to be prepared, right? But this isn't what Jesus is referring to. This is not what Jesus is referring to. Scripture, in fact, applauds the wisdom in preparation. Look in Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The author writes, he says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crop in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. I mean, with some pretty strong language, the Bible not only applauds the wisdom of preparation, but it rebukes laziness and idleness. So I don't want you to mishear me this morning. Not worrying is not being frivolous and idle. We have to be wise enough to prepare for the future. But here's the difference between wisdom and worry. Wisdom prepares for tomorrow. Worry tries to control tomorrow. And only you know the difference in that in your heart. Only you know if you're trying to prepare or if you're trying to control. And what Jesus is trying to get us to realize is that we just can't control the future, guys. It's impossible. There's just no way around that. It's, it's essentially a waste of time and energy. Elsewhere, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34, he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for 
Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So firstly, Jesus wants us to consider that worry doesn't work. But secondly, he wants us to consider who God really is. He wants us to consider who God really is. I'd like us to read one more time Luke 12, 27 through 30 to refresh our minds with the passage starting in 27 of chapter 12 in Luke. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or they or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan's world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. So Jesus in this portion invites us, invites us to consider to take just one step forward. So it's not only a false perception about our own human ability to control the future, but also it's a false perception about who we think God is and who and what we think God thinks about us. And so he illustrates this through the use of nature. God supplies the needs for the lilies and, and for the birds. And how much more would he not supply it for you? He says, and right before this, actually in Luke chapter 12, in verse 6, he says that the Father has even all the hairs on your head counted. For those of you that don't have hair on your head, I'm sure he's got your beard counted. <laughs> I'm sure he's got that counted. So you're not, you don't feel left out. See, Randy Richards, the provost of PBA, a dear friend of mine and, and a, really a confidant and a mentor, he told me this one time as I was kind of going through worry. He said, God is more invested in the details of your life than you think. God is more invested in the details of your life than you think. And so as I told you, I personally struggled with worry, uh, but particularly, particularly a few years ago, it had really overcome me to the point that I was consumed by it. I was trying to decide whether or not I was going to move from Miami to West Palm. And I know just with the traffic alone, some of you think that's a very easy decision. It was a hard decision for me because I was leaving the church that I discovered my calling in. I discovered that I was, God had called me to ministry. I had grown up there. It was a family. It was very much a, a family to me. It was so difficult to leave. Um, but I knew I had to because I was doing school here and it was, it was uh, literally eating me alive, the, the traveling. But what was hard about it, it was that I was so worried. I was so worried about making the wrong decision of not being in God's will. Is it God's will for me to, to stay here? Or is it God's will for me to move? God, what do you want me to do? And I was consumed by this question of the future. And I'm, I know I'm not the only one that has experienced that before. Because I've had a lot of people tell me they struggle with the same thing. Trying to discern God's will for your life is a, is a hard thing. It can be. And so back then, I remember approaching Vic Copan several years ago and just sharing my heart with him about this matter. And he he said something I'll never, I'll never, ever forget. He told me, Jose, if you are in genuine relationship with God, if you are in genuine relationship with God, then you are in his will. If you are walking in genuine relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus, 
then you are in his will and he will guide you. And I remember as I, as I let that sink in and he showed me some scriptures that, sh- that, that really proved that and showed that, I was able to overcome some of that worry that was consuming me. Were there practical implications to the decision that I was going to make? Absolutely. There were pros and cons. There was preparation needed, right? Where was I going to live? All these sort of things that we write down as humans. But that internal worry that was consuming me, I was able to let it go. I was able to let it go knowing that God really did care about my needs and he wasn't just looking for me to mess up, to make the wrong turn. He was walking alongside me. There was a a false perception of who God was that was corrected in my mind. And I just want to tell you today that God knows what you're going through. He really does. He knows your needs. He is more invested in the details of your life than you even are. He knows exactly what you're facing today, the pain that you're confronting this week. And he's asking you to get to know him rightly. That's why reading God's word is so important, where we get to know God, not just from cultural truth and what from other people say, but from who God says he himself is. And that's why we really emphasize reading scripture. And so this leads me into our second point, which lastly, Jesus is asking us to consider, not just that worry doesn't work, not just that we have to know who God is, correct that false understanding that maybe is causing us that worry, but also Jesus wants us to consider what we seek first. Jesus wants us to consider what we seek first. Take a look with me one more time at Luke 12, verses 31 through 34, where Jesus says, but seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Matthew says it this way. In Matthew 6, he says, seek his kingdom first. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so in light of Jesus' teaching relating to us that worry doesn't work, we have to have a right view of God. Jesus gets very practical and he tells us not just not to worry, but what we need to do instead of worrying. And even here, even here, I think we, we see tangibly the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. Even as he's really giving us this challenge. He says to seek God's kingdom in the present, to seek it. Oh, and by the way, your father loves you and he's going to give you your needs in, the, in due time. Your father loves you. You seek him and as you seek him, God is going to provide for those needs. Is this a prosperity gospel where you're going to get the Mercedes that you always wanted? I don't think that's what he's talking about there. No. What he is saying is that as you seek him, as you walk alongside him, as you are in general, in, in genuine relationship with him through faith in the Lord Jesus, what he's done for you, 
He's going to provide for your needs. He's going to speak into those situations. It might not even be a physical need. It might be something you're going through. He's going to speak into that situation. He's going to tell you where you need to go. But I often wonder, people often ask, what does it actually mean to seek God's kingdom? And so uh, I don't know if you know Terry Gromberg. She's right over there. She's uh, one of our COH partners and actually one of our lead team members that represents our campus. Thank you so much, Terry, for, for doing that. But if you didn't know, Terry actually leads a wellness lifestyle group here for our campus. If you're interested, I'd totally encourage you to go speak with her. So, but as we were connecting for the first time, as we were connecting for the first time, we were um, talking about her lifestyle group, but none of us really knew at first, so there was some sort of a hesitancy about our dietary restrictions. Both she and I have some dietary restrictions, so if you didn't know, I can't eat gluten or dairy, unfortunately. So I love it, but I can't do it. But it's always interesting, the responses that I get when I tell somebody I can't eat gluten, for example. Sometimes it'll be, oh, you poor thing, and I'll just, I know, Sometimes it's great, more dessert for me, you know, and that's, that's actually Giselle's response. She loves that. Um, sometimes, as with Terry and I, it was a mutual, yes, oh my goodness, you get it. You understand the lifestyle change. You understand how one simple truth can affect so many decisions that you have to make in your life. And so many people don't understand that in much the same way, seeking God's kingdom isn't just like going to church more. It isn't just a task. Seeking God's kingdom is a whole new lifestyle that impacts every single decision that you make, everything that you do. And a lot of people just don't get that. It's a lifestyle. And when you realize that worry doesn't work, that God really cares about your needs and you make him first in your life, Revolving around him, it frees us from having the need to try and control that future. It's almost a freeing sensation, knowing this isn't going to work. I know, Lord, you're with me. And Lord, I know you want me to follow you, even in this circumstance. Doesn't mean the situation goes away. It means that you acknowledge his presence. And in some very deep ways, you can ease the grip on that, on that worry. And so if you're not familiar with our Celebrate Recovery ministry here at, uh, on Monday evenings, they're uh, actually in our Loxahatchee campus. They are a wonderful group on Monday evenings that actually dedicates itself to lifestyle changes dedicates itself to lifestyle changes by the grace of God. And after every session, they repeat what's called their serenity prayer. And here's a portion of that that I would like us to read together, if, if we can, if you're willing. I believe it's on the screen. There it is. And so I'm going to count us off, and then we'll read it together. One, two, and three. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And as we close today, I want to put this into practice. It's not every sermon that we actually apply literally what we're doing in the service, but that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to do a prayer exercise that's been helpful for me for overcoming worry. And so if If I may, with with every eye closed and every head bowed, 
would you just extend your hands with open hands with your palms facing down? Open hands with your palms facing down. And I'm going to ask you this question in the silence of your heart as you pray to the Lord. What are the things I cannot control today that are causing my worry? The hands down is supposed to symbolize you giving it to the Lord in falling from your hands. What are the things I cannot control? And now at this moment, would you just turn your hands upward, palms facing up, and receive the Lord's peace. In the stillness of your heart, listen to the scripture that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he died. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would bestow us your peace this morning. Lord, for those of us who are worrying about some very real circumstances today, would you just infiltrate our hearts with your peace, with your Holy Spirit? Lord, and would you help us not to ignore the situation, but to trust you. Lord, not to be frivolous, Lord, to be wise and to have faith that you hear us and that you care oh so deeply. We ask this in the name of Jesus. I hope today you are perhaps able to ease that grip just a little bit more on whatever you're going through today. Would you trust in Jesus? Would you really trust him? Would you live in such a way that you show that you trust him in everything that you do? Would you receive this blessing as we go out in faith? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and his peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, Thanks for being here. God bless. We'll see you next week. God bless.